Welcome to Success Fundamentals, hosted by myself, Chris Sykes, and my co-host, Brian Gosek. We are on a mission to seek out some of the most successful people in our network that have been able to define what success means to them so you can draw the map of your own path and take your first steps. We hope you enjoyed today's episode to get one step closer to your success goals. Starting a business is exciting. And one of the fundamentals of starting a business is making sure you have the proper legal structure. But legal structure only takes you so far. You want to make sure that your personal assets are protected. And that's where Corporate Direct comes in. Getting started is easy. First, you tell them about your business or investment. Second, they do a business name check. Third, they file the paperwork. And fourth, you receive the documents and you're official. To get $100 off your business setup, go to successfundamentals.com. Click on the Corporate Direct link. When the information form asks, where did you hear about us? Type in Success Fundamentals and they will take it from there. Corporate Direct, asset protection done right. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to another edition of Success Fundamentals. I am your co-host, Chris Sykes. Unfortunately, my partner, Brian Gosek, cannot be here because he is on best man duties. Um, But today, we have a very exciting guest for you. Let me just give you a rundown of of this person's uh, resume. It's pretty, pretty pretty impressive. He is a number one best-selling author. He's a world champion athlete, and he is the chief marketing officer Anchorway, we have the one and only Javier Lozano Jr. Javier, welcome. What's up, man? How you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good, man. I can't complain a bit. I can't complain a bit. How's this year been going for you so far? It's good. I mean, it's better than 2020, right? Oh, 100% better than 2020. <laughs> I mean, it could be 1% better and it's still 100% better, you know? So I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that was that was a shock uh, for sure. Um, yeah. But Javier, you have such an amazing story. Uh, we have a lot of things to deep dive into, but where where did it all start from you or for you? Where are you from? Where did you get this drive from and achieve the sex you have today? Like where where did all that come from? Oh man. So I, I mean if you if you want to start where it kind of all started, I guess you could almost say like I, I don't want to say like, you know, back when I was a young little, you know, child, <laughs> you know, you know, I grew up and going up the hills, you know, ten, you know, ten miles each way, you know, I was it's 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 more um if you want to dive into like where my drive came from, um, then we can kind of open up everything else. Cause I think that, that kind of opens a bigger story. Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, this is what the podcast is about is being, is about success. Um, so I would say, you know, where my drive came from is, is, is a child. I, I played, um, I played, I did martial arts for gosh, almost 30 years, I think. And so I started doing martial arts when I was 10 and I started Which competing. Um, it was called Wadokai Karate. Oh, okay. Brian, oh, he's going to hate this because Ryan is a black belt in judo. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I did martial arts for a long time. Um, it was, it's a Japanese art, so it's not, it's not a lot of throwing. It's more stand up martial arts. So judo is more of the throwing stuff. Exactly. But, um, so yeah, it's, so I I started, you know, doing martial arts at 10 and started competing at a competitive level. I want to say probably 15, 16 years old. Um, Oh, so you were good. You were really good. (laughs) No, I wasn't. I got my ass kicked a lot. Uh, so, <laughs> so at the beginning, it's when I wasn't good. So like I was good in my school. So this is what's interesting okay. is like, you're really, you're like the top dog. I mean, it's just like collegiate sports. Like you're, you're good, you know, at the middle school level or at the high school level. Then all of a sudden you get to college and you're like, man, oh. I got to step up my game. <laughs> yeah. So sure. it's, it's the same thing, you know, and, and it's, I mean, you can even take it to the NFL, you know, like it's, it's just, the, it's the next level. So I was good in my school. I was good in my like little little world, and then mm-hmm. I started competing um, on a regional circuit uh, in Nashville, where I lived. And um, so basically, I, I was getting my butt handed to uh, at the beginning, and I just I didn't like it. I hated that feeling. Um, it drove me up the wall. Uh, I remember coming home as a kid, like crying, um, not because I didn't win, but because I, I didn't I, I didn't get what I w- I wanted to achieve. And so mm-hmm. I just started changing my mindset and I started putting in more time into the gym uh, or to the studio, start training. And that's kind of where the drive kind of all started and kind of began. Um, eventually, I started, I, eventually I won a world title um, as, a, as an adult. Um, as a teenager, I was pretty good. Uh, I was either top three in the country, oh, um, wow. just traveling all over the country. And then when you get to the adult division, that's where like, that's where things really happen you know, um, where you got to start jumping up into your real game. And, and then as an adult, like 
I basically started competing, you know, at a higher level. Um, I was, you know, chasing after sponsors. I was, it, there was a lot of stuff going on. So I ended up winning a world title. I ended up winning a state title in Colorado. Um, I was, I was, that was good. I, I don't like to brag about it, but I mean, you can literally Google me. You'll find YouTube videos of me fighting. So, so if you want to see that, mm. you can totally do that. <laughs> Well, audience, we know do not mess with Javier, okay? <laughs> Period. <laughs> so that's kind of where the drive started from. And, you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Oh, man, this was probably like six, seven years ago. Um, he, he interviewed me for one of his podcasts at one point. And we were talking about um, having this like world title type mentality where when people can be at the highest level and they win at the highest level, it doesn't matter if it's at darts there yeah. is a mentality there that is different from everybody else. And the explanation was, is that it doesn't matter if you get a world title and something that seems so, you know, minuscule, some, so small, you mm -hmm. still have to be mentally strong in all aspects to be successful in that sport. You have to put the dedication to the, the time and all that stuff. And I would really say that like that time of me failing and then that time of me and it's a, it's a small window of success. You see this in collegiate sports. You see this in the NFL. It's a very small window of success. Very few people take this to a long journey, you know? Yeah, for sure. And you got to capitalize on that. And that's kind of what I did. You know, I capitalized on that window of success. I mean, you know, at, at the prime of my athletic abilities. And I think it's carried into my my actual career now. And that's been that's been kind of exciting to see. So when people ask me about this, they're like, how do you how'd you get there? I'm like, I guess because I, I got so competitive with what I do that what, losing isn't really an option for me. 100%. So um, s speaking on that, what taking what you learned from being a world champion athlete, that mentality, because you're not just a world champion uh, athlete just by happenstance. I'm pretty sure there's time, there's practice, and there's people uh, that – we're pretty good at, at what they do, but you have mm -hmm. to become, you have, it's something else, right? It's almost like if you, if you, if we're talking about sports, it's like everybody in a professional league is really, really good. Then you have those people that stand out like the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, the Steph Curry's. So translating that mentality, walk us through the start of your entrepreneurial journey and how did that help you? along the way because entrepreneurs it you know especially in this day and age you know this being a marketing uh officer that it looks like a glitz and glamour type of uh profession to be in it's like oh i want to be a boss and i want to have my own company and then it's yeah. like when you when you when you stop looking at somebody's highlights you know and you actually have to build a company and go out and you know do what you ha have to do then it becomes like i don't know if i really want this. So how did you take that mentality and walk us through where your your entrepreneurial journey started? Yeah, yeah. So I would say the entrepreneurial journey started when I was in when I was like uh 15 years old. Um oh, okay. and that's where yeah, like it, there was a trigger in my head. And it's like I want to open a martial arts studio and I want to teach martial arts for the rest of my life. That's what I go. told myself. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay. So I kind of had in mind like what the goal was after high school, go to college, and then after college, you know, look at opening a studio, something like that. That was kind of the, the whole thing. Um, okay. You know, I remember in high school, I think it was a senior year when we were talking about like, hey, what do you want to be when you get out of college or get out of high school, get out of college? And I'm like, I want to be an entrepreneur. And people are like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a business owner. Like, you don't know what that word means. Like, no, I've never heard that word. I'm like, this is weird. And now everyone uses it like it's just it's like Google, you know, yeah, exactly. It's it's just a, a common thing. Um, you know, when I went to college, uh, I, I will, I'll say this ahead of time. College was not for me. Um, okay. I, uh, I, I'm not the, the academically strong kind of person um, when it comes to like education like that, where read this, regurgitate it, read this, regurgitate it. Never, never really worked for me where I um, find more success is tell me your theory, your thought process and why this is good or why this is bad. You know, give me reasons. And, 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 and so when I had classes like that in college, that's where I thrived. So I, I, I kind of went more into the journey of the entrepreneurship part. Uh, so in college, like at one point, you know, we wrote a business plan. Um, I wrote, wrote one for, for starting my own martial arts and personal training studio. And it was kind of like, like, ah, this is great, but this is not really an exciting business plan. I'm like, well, yeah, no kidding, man. Like, 
this is what I want. This is not like the next tech company like Facebook or something <laughs> like that, you know? Ex- so, exactly. So we did that. And, and basically, like, uh, I, I, you know, we, we were in a program, in an entrepreneurship program. It was just like a, just a, a semester's class. And we would partner with all the engineers. So all the engineers had all these badass ideas. And they mm-hmm. would come in and be like, this is what we want to do. We need someone that knows how to do marketing. We need someone that knows how to do like, you know, business stuff. And we're like, yeah, that's a cool idea, man. How the hell did you come up with that? So they would yeah. partner with us and we would, we went to a competition. So our team at the time, um, we had, a, it was, the product was called Magnabine and it was, uh, it, it was a, an electromagnetic snowboard binding where, you okay. know how you like skateboards, you can do like kick flips and stuff like that, you know, on a yeah, skateboard. Yeah. We were trying to replicate that whole concept. And then essentially like with your hand, you would like essentially like un- unleash the, the, the binding from your snowboard and the board would come off and then it would come right back on. And so okay. that was the concept. And our team ended up getting like third place. The reason I'm telling you this is that like all this stuff that I went through kind of started building this whole entrepreneurship thing in my head. I'm like, I started kind of like figuring this stuff out. I'm like, all right, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I don't want this. I don't want that. So I graduated college, um, barely. So, <laughs> and then uh, did, you know, just, you know, kind of did the normal thing, just get a job, kind of do a few things. And eventually it was just like, you know what? I just need to start making this jump. And so I started looking at business loans because uh, I didn't have any money. You know, you broke out of college. Like what, what else is new? Everyone's broke when they get out of college mostly, you know? Exactly. And and so you, I started looking at business loans. I started looking at different stuff and I would write it. So I, I started looking at like writing a business plan. I'm like, all right, I'm going to write a business plan. And people, I would go to banks and they would be like, this is a really good business plan. Do you have any collateral? I'm like, if I had collateral, do you think I'd be coming here? Like I would have sold that. Exactly. And, and it, you know, like, like, I don't think they understood that concept. They're like, well, this is a huge investment. I'm like it's only like 30 grand that I'm asking for, but okay. Um, yeah. For so a bank that makes like trillions. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, exactly my point. So anyways, I, I kind of started doing that. I got rejected a lot and I was like, this is not going to be the end of me. I, I'm going to find something. So eventually I found something. Uh, I went to a bank, Wells Fargo. They loved my business plan. They did, you know, they loved everything. They gave me an SBA loan. And then from there, like it was after that was done, it was like signing leases or looking for locations. And in that process, I was looking for locations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was tough. Like I was working a full-time job at a uh, internet company uh, and just doing sales. And then I was like on the side doing this stuff. And this is before Google became what it is today. You know, this okay. is before like the internet was what, what it is today. What, 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 you know, like this is like 2007 and it was big. Don't get me wrong, but searching for stuff sometimes took a lot longer than now. Like now you can like tap in a couple of things and that's like everything for everything. Exactly. And, and so what I ended up doing is just, just finding a lease, you know, seeing all this other stuff that, that, that ended up working for me. I ended up going into an anchor location because I didn't have time to do marketing on my own. So I was okay. like, all right, I'm going to get foot traffic here. So that extra budget of me paying my, my lease or my rent every month of like say an extra thousand or $2,000 a month, that I could be using for marketing, I'm going to use, I'm going to put it towards like location. Mm-hmm. Well, if you remember 2007, 2008, guess what? It's the Great Recession. Uh, the Great Recession. Yep. And so, when when you're looking to open a business, you don't see those things because a, you know, you didn't know that that was kind of there was like a, a bubble going on with the real estate industry and all these mm-hmm. other stuff that's going on. Like you're just looking to start a business. You're so, oblivious. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you know, I signed a lease. Um, it was a five-year personal guarantee. Would have owed about three hundred thousand dollars had I gone out of business. That's a lot of money at the age oh, of yeah. twenty-seven. Um, and so my thought process is like, well, if I fail, I've got my thirties to make up for this. You know, so I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go in all on this. And this, mind you, I'm, I still have a full-time job. So that gets all done. We, I don't know, we start building out the space in March, and then we start um, basically. Uh, Opening around August, like do like soft open August September. The the official recession was what September two thousand eight, right? Yeah, and that's yeah, where yeah, yeah. I think I, things started to happen. I think around like the end of like October two thousand seven, but then in like two thousand eight, it started really like going. Ex- exactly. So like it was like the government finally said uh, we're in a recession, and that's when like everything just hit the fan. Like it just it, it all started yeah. tumbling down. Um, so I had two choices. I could either fold, file for bankruptcy, old 300 grand, 
you know, and, and, and cut my dreams, or I can just get really awesome at sales and marketing. And that's kind of what I did. So I chose the latter. Uh, I, I started using a lot of my just natural abilities and natural skills, my Google searches and stuff like that, figuring things out, um, getting knowledge from all different pieces, and then just kind of hodgepodging it. And, and that's kind of what the journey of an entrepreneur is, is that it's not cut and dry. And that's where I think a lot of people think it is. It's not cut and dry. It's it's little. It's literally like I have an idea. You're taking a shower. I have an idea. I'm gonna try this, and yeah. and then you're like, crap, that didn't work. Well, maybe if I did this thing differently, that could change it. And all of a sudden, things start kind of moving, and it's just a little momentum kind of shift. Um, I would say you, your initial question is about that that mentality part about you know entrepreneurism. Like, you know, the thing is, is that it's. It's the people that have this addiction to victory or addiction to not giving up or addiction to changing the world or an addiction, something that is just really different from everybody else. Because people like us, yeah, aren't the same like everyone else. Like you can go to a bar and everyone else can have a conversation about something, but yet those entrepreneurs are just a little different. They're kind of weird. Um, Yeah. and, and, And that's where you have to accept that and be okay being weird and then be on a mission to be like, this is what I'm called to do. It's funny you say that because Steve Jobs calls it insane. He said, he said you have to be insane because it's so incredibly hard that a sane person will quit. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And totally, man. 100%. I agree with him wholeheartedly on that because it's funny when you start out doing something on your own, you, being an entrepreneur in and of itself is unconventional, really, when you think about it, because yep. you're taught from early grade school to up is to get good grades, get a job, retire in your 60s. That's just pretty much what it means. Um, and that's the majority of people. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. But if you want to go the take the low, the road less traveled, then. You have to accept that when you start out, everybody's going to say, uh, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you going against the norm? If it's if it's if it was a good idea, somebody else who would have done it already or, uh, you know, not and not really get support, really. Right. Yep. Because it's funny, oh, man. hundred percent, man. <laughs> like all these brands is funny, right? Because all these brands started off with zero support until they proved into the people's eyes that they were worthy of their dollar, like Google, Apple, Amazon. Everybody had these. They started from square one and then they built it into these these great companies. I want to I want to I want to get real with you for a sec uh, when it comes to the college before I move on to my next question. Yeah, we're, I'm very I'm very curious about your thought process on this. So. You went to school and you were studied business mm-hmm. and. After you left school, you went to and got a job with the mentality that you're going to get, you know, uh, you're going to have your own business or, or, or whatnot. A lot of entrepreneurs, uh, Gary V is one of them, Robert Kiyosaki is one of them, that you can't go to school to learn how to be an entrepreneur, especially if the professors haven't ran a business themselves. And it Correct. almost kind of deters you from being an entrepreneur. So when you leave school, whether you have your master's or whatever the case may be, you go in to get a, get a full-time job. Yep. In your case, would you say, um, in your case, when you left school, were you type? Were you what? What is your viewpoint on that? Because when you left school, you got a full time job, and you eventually you went into entrepreneurship. But what, did it deter you a bit going? Yes, starting. Yeah, it was it was yeah. the biggest waste of money I've ever spent. Okay, um, got it. So, like, I, I will, I'll, I, and I'll say that over and over again. Had I, had I known more, had I had more information, had I had a mentor that said, you know what, I don't think college is for you. Um, cause I was good at academics. It's not that I was bad. It's not like I didn't go to class. It's just like, like, I, you know, I'm dyslexic. So when yeah. I read things, oh, okay. I don't remember it. And, and I always thought there was an issue with me as a kid. And I mm. didn't realize I was dyslexic and I was, until I was like 25 or 26 years old. And so college was like the hardest thing on the planet. I would read something. I'm like, what the hell did I just read? 
And yeah. I mean, you know this. College is about regurgitating what you just read. It's basically what it is. There's no like, you know, thesis statement of what you think something should be like. It's like mm-hmm. regurgitate this. And it didn't fit my my mindset. But what I did learn and realize is that I learn by visually, by touching, by being in action, by doing stuff. I'll by observe it, something yeah. looking at it. And I'm like, that's completely wrong. Or there's a better way of doing this or, or, or something like that. And that's how my mind worked. But when you're you know, 18, 19 years old, you don't see that. The other side yeah. of it too, I was very highly into my competitive career. So like the way I was operating was I got to work to at least cover my costs to go to the next tournament. You know, that's exactly. basically how it, how it looked like. It's like, I, I got to, you know, do this so I can go to this next tournament in Florida. I got to do this so I can go to this next tournament in Minnesota. And that's kind of what it was. And so that was my thought. But had I, had I looked back at this again, do it over again, I would have probably not gone to college, taking that $30,000, $40,000 that I spent and looked at starting my own business. And maybe it would have been at a smaller scale. Um, or maybe it would have been going into a martial arts studio as like an intern, for instance. But I would have mm-hmm. changed it. I would have changed the trajectory. However, I will say I will credit one part that I got from from college is is writing a business plan. Um, okay. That was invaluable because it did help me, um, you know, get that business loan. But the flip side of it, like none of the material that I learned in there it ever carried over into my, you know, my into my career, like zero. Uh, and so I, mean, I, I feel bad way. saying that, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm a golden Buffalo. Like, you know, I'm from Colorado, <laughs> not from, but I, I grew up in Colorado, basically went to see you Boulder. Like, like yeah. I love my buffs, but like, I have a hard time saying this. I'm like, eh, I, I kind of wasted some money there. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm the exact same way. I have, I have my, my, uh, NBA too. And, you know, it's like, uh, I, that could have been money spent elsewhere, but I will say this. Okay. So, because I, I see both sides, right? Because for sure, everybody everybody is not an entrepreneur. Correct. This this, this life is not for everybody. I understand that, you know, and that, nope. and that's perfectly because you can find happiness and fulfillment and passion by working for somebody else and having a great life on your own. Um, yep. But I think that people who I won't say don't do well in college because, like you said, you did well in college. Um, I did well in college, but. Dude, I, I graduated with a two point seven. <laughs> you passed. <laughs> you I know, like if I were to go get my MBA now, they're like, "Well, you might have to take a GMAT." I'm like, "Seriously, I started a business. <laughs> I took your theory and made it to reality." <laughs> I have proof. Like, forget my GPA. Exactly. It, 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 it doesn't exactly. matter. I have real life experience. Um, so. Uh, because yeah, because I because mean, because because if everybody was an entrepreneur, then we wouldn't have any great companies really, because everybody would be doing their own thing. So I, I understand that that part. Um, yeah. I want to I want to get into your your marketing mind um, because okay. when you start a business, and I want to, from a advice standpoint, because our audience is made up of you know people who are you know business business people, entrepreneurs, the people who are trying to start that journey. So yep. When you, based on your experience, um, and getting to a point where you are now, I, I read a book. I'm not sure if you, you read this book or not. Uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. What's it's it by, again? Uh, Rich, Rich Dad, Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've read part of it. I don't think I've read all of it. So in, in, in the book, he says, as an entrepreneur, the two skills that you need, even not as an entrepreneur, like even if you're trying to like move up the corporate ladder. The two main skills are sales and marketing, right? Correct. It's, yep. it's for because, and I'm actually curious to hear, to hear your, your viewpoint on this because when you when you start out, of course, you don't have a business until you sell something for one. But then two, from a person who's not creative and needs to market their product or, or, or whatever the case may be, what would you say the first step is, and what would you say? the biggest mistake people make when they try to market whatever they're trying to do, whenever they try, oh, whatever they're trying to do. Okay. So I, 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 okay. This is kind of a, probably a, an obscure kind of answer, but I think marketing is sales without the person marketing is like, like this is mm. a better way I can explain this copywriting. Okay. What you, Copywriting is sales at scale. 
So I, okay. I heard that from a person I follow on uh, on LinkedIn, Dave Gerhart. Uh, he's the chief brand officer now at Privy, but I, you know, I follow his content quite a bit. And when he said that, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. So I think if you want to get good at marketing, I think you have to get good at sales. And the reason I mm. say that is that sales is that it's an intimate thing. You're learning about people. You're learning about emotions. You're learning about stuff. And when you learn those emotions and those triggers, then what you do is you say, okay, how can I trigger those emotions in words? How can I trigger those emotions in images? How can I mm. trigger those emotions in a video? Okay. But you only get that with interaction with the prospect or the customer. So if you want to get better at marketing, my take, and everyone is going to take a different journey, but my take, this is how I got better at marketing. You got to get really flipping good at sales. At my company where I was working when I was running my martial arts studio and personal training studio, I was the number one salesperson in the company. Even after I quit, I would have gotten a trip to Mexico for free um, because all of my sales were all built up. They were like just growing and growing and growing. And I, I was one of the top salespeople and I didn't do the sales the way people wanted me to do the sales. Like the, the, the company was like, we're, we're shifting this direction. And I'm kind of like, well, I don't want to do that because I'm your top sales guy. You shouldn't tell me how to shift. If anything, you should be asking me, what am I doing different? 100%. So what I was doing is I was, I was approaching my sales process like the challenger sales method. Have you read the challenger sale? I have not. Okay. It's, it's a super awesome book. Uh, your audience should totally read that book. That book, um, I'm not going to say it changed me, but it made me realize that I wasn't weird when it came to sales. I basically would challenge my customers about their problems. As opposed to trying to sell them something, I would ask several questions to reframe stuff, to get a better perspective. And then I would come <laughs> at them with a challenge. I did the exact and then same all thing. of a sudden people are like, they're like, oh, I didn't realize that. And I can't give you an example right now because I haven't really been in that sales men men mentality. But where I'm coming from is, is that if you learn how to sell whatever it is, like, like a, a service or a product or whatever, but if you learn and, and you know what the triggers are, okay, and then you know what the problems are or you know the type of person is going to say no versus the type of person is going to say yes, mm -hmm. and you learn those little things, all of a sudden you start you, – if you work for a larger company, you should say, hey, marketing – this is what I'm getting from the people I talk to. They're telling me this. They're telling me this. They're telling me this. We should create collateral or we should create assets that pull these pain points so that it's pre-framing or pre-selling these people so that whenever we, we get them into our funnel, we talk to them. It's just like, you're the person I was looking for. And so that is kind of how I look at marketing is, is, is that marketing should be really tight to sales. I mean, and, and so in my opinion, a good sales or good marketing person, a good marketing leader either went through the ranks of sales and understands that or is like literally listening to what the customers are saying and the prospects are saying and then finding ways and how to put that onto paper and then triggering those pain points. You know what, Javier, I want to I, I want to talk more about that, too, because I think one of the best sales and I also I, I connect this to brand, too to be honest, because mm -hmm. that, okay, today, I think back in the early 50s and 60s and 70s, whatever, things were sold to people, right? So yes, people correct. were, they knocked on your door or you went to a location and these people are trying to sell you whatever they have, right? Nowadays, people already, people buy things. They don't, they're not, they're not sold anything these days. Correct. So I think that's where marketing and branding stand out. And I think Apple does a fantastic job at, at doing this. When, when you go to an Apple store, none of their associates are selling you anything. You already know you want the phone or the tablet or the watch or the air or the, or the pods. And I think, and I, and I want to hear your take on this too. I think Steve Jobs was, was one of the best people ever to do this. Because how he would present a product, he would talk about it, he would market it, and brand Apple as like a value type of product. Like when you get it, you know that you're getting something extremely high quality. Looking at somebody like that, 
would you say because you can be a top salesperson? Some people not, not and I want to want to get your take on this too. Some people say they can't sell well because they don't believe in what they're selling. So they 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 just can't. So I think Steve Jobs said this. He said he just can't sell anything because he doesn't believe in the product. He'll be the the worst salesman ever. I've, I've heard he, Gary Vee say the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Ex- exactly, one hundred percent. So why would you say, especially in the Apple's case, I would like to, to kind of like dissect. What do you think that Steve Jobs did right when presenting a product to people that just makes them like forget? You don't have to say, I, I just want it. Like what 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 triggers that emotion? Oh, man. Um. All right. So before I answer that question, I want to go back okay. one step a little bit. And, and, and okay. so I want to I, I want to distinguish brand and then I want to distinguish something else. So because okay. your audience is going to be probably I'm assuming a. a, a a difference of people that are going to be focused on branding and the people that are going to be focused on like entrepreneurs should not always focus on brand. I'm going to say that right now. And the reason I say that is that there's not enough money being generated from the company. And okay. So, okay. so, so uh, this is weird, but I think there's, there's a threshold. It might be 10 million. It might be 20 million. It might be 30 million. I don't know that number. I've heard people say 10 million above, you can start diving into branding. 10 million below, you start working on direct response marketing. And the, and so are you familiar with direct response marketing? I'm not. Okay. So direct response marketing is essentially like, you know, you get those value packs, you know, that has all these coupons and stuff like that. And uh-huh. they, and, and then, um, like you, it, it, those are like direct, direct response marketing or like in the back of the magazine, it says, Hey, do you want to get this report on how to, you know, make sure you don't lose hair anymore. That's direct response marketing. What you see on infomercials is direct response marketing. Those are all okay. direct response marketing. So they are getting people to take action immediately to buy something for a pain point that is like they're suffering. And so the reason it's so successful is that it gets you money quicker. You get leads in, you get a list and you can start branding or you can start marketing to those people and, and start kind of telling your story and have people buy into it. Okay. So it, to a degree, Apple did that in the beginning. Remember the Super Bowl ad that mm-hmm. they did, you know, that one that with a lady throws a the hammer through the TV or something like that. Yeah. Like that was, that was not a branding ad. That was more of a like call you to do something different, to shift forward, to change your mind. And and so Apple slowly became the brand that we see what Steve Jobs created. And so like Got in my it. opinion, in okay. my opinion, like if you look at it, like we're looking at, at Apple and Steve Jobs at the end, we yeah. should look at the journey of what he did and how it all shifted. And so when he started presenting like the iPhone, the other things like in, like those things, those presentations started shifting and, and they became different. They became an event. Prior to that, it was not like that. So yeah. you got to think about like, what did Apple do to get this following? And my, my thing is, I think what they did is they started, they, they started off with a not direct response, but they, they were trying to get buy-in in a, in a different way. And, and that's kind of where I think that businesses should look at doing more direct response marketing at the beginning and then okay. do a little bit of branding. So they, cause what I see a lot is that a lot of entrepreneurs will focus on branding 90% and then be like, well, I need to run a paid ad on Facebook to try to get leads where it should be like flip flopped. It should be like, I'm going to focus on paid ads on Google and on Facebook and on LinkedIn or, or whatever it is. And then I'm going to kind of do a little bit of branding like, which is like podcasting or writing a blog or networking or whatever that is. And then those things start kind of shifting as the revenue starts growing. And then you will inversely start kind of shifting some of that stuff as well too. Maybe it's a 50, 50, maybe it's a 60, 40, maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. So, so that's my take. I've heard this before from someone else say that. And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. This guy named Donald Miller, he uh, has a company called story brand. Um, okay. He talks about that, that a lot of young companies focus I have his on book branding. Downstairs. Do you yeah. really? So you got to read all of his books. The, the dude is, he's, he's super smart. His, his journey is amazing because he wrote memoirs, you know, and like who the hell reads memoirs? Like I wrote, <laughs> I, I wrote uh, Phil Knight's memoir. That was good, you know, but no one really reads those things. 
And yeah. he, but he, he was successful in his own right. And then all of a sudden he lost all of his money and then he had to change. And he did this in the later stages of his, of his career. And so it's, it's amazing, but he does talk about brand and that it is important, but for most businesses that are under a certain threshold, I think his number he said was 10 million. It needs to be more like direct response kind of style. Like you got to call them to action. They have to do something. And so, you know, what we see now, what Steve Jobs has done for brand, the reason that he's able to, to basically say like, buy this without even doing anything anymore is because he created his community and he basically said, we're going to throw rocks at the people that don't support us. And who are those people? Yeah. PC users, Samsung users. Exactly. And so, and, and, they, and they said this, we're going to help you throw rocks at those people. We're going to have people that are going to fight for you. And then, and then, so what did that do? That community was like, you're standing up for me. Apple is. And then, so they all became like, like they felt like one. And we see this in movements in anything that we do in the history. Okay. Anything. When someone is willing to stand up for you and throw rocks at that other person or other company or whatever that is, you're like, I'm all in, you know, you see this in collegiate sports and professional sports. Like, this happens all the time throughout history. And that's where I think Apple has been so successful and why they could just be like, we don't have salespeople. We just have people that just, you know, show up and kind of talk you through the product is because the people that are there are feel like they're part of a community. When you create that community, people are going to be, they're going to buy whatever the hell you sell. It doesn't even matter. They're selling a $70 pen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what I'm, like I don't have one, well, but you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 100%. You're 100% right. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think I think with anything like and I think that's with any business, whether you have a podcast, because that podcast can be parlayed into so many other different things, whether you have yes. um, you're selling widgets. So whatever the, you yes. if you create a community among your customer or your client base and continue to deliver on what you're so you're going to deliver on over time that becomes a very very powerful thing and i think mm -hmm. like you said it's it's better to not look at what the success of a big time company is today like google has the mind share of people so what did google do in the beginning because before google it wasn't google even even when google was here for what it came it came out in 2004 like something like people, that yeah yeah you didn't it wasn't like oh let me you know, let me go search for it. Or whatever. It was Google has your mind share. So anytime you want to search for anything, that's the first thing you go. So, but you see how they, you study yeah. the patterns and, and how, how they did that to do, to do in your community. So shift. Javier, you had a lot of success in your life. Um, and with this show, we, we like to give people, regardless of what they're trying to accomplish, define success mm -hmm. for themselves. But Brian and I believe that, you, there's some fundamental elements that you have to have to start on this journey. So my question to you is, what what is your personal definition of success? To, and the second question to that is, what do you think people need to have fundamentally to have success in their own life? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Out of all the questions, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, and the reason I say that is because success is it's so it's so relative. It, it's it's all based on what you consider it. For me, I would say success is is happiness and fulfillment. Um, like I, I got to feel fulfilled with what I'm doing. That mm -hmm. it's like I know that my call. I have a bigger calling. That that was the reason why I, I sold my martial arts studio. Um, that was the reason why I stepped away from that. Is is that my my calling shifted? And I think it's mm -hmm. okay. I, I think we have to be cognizant about those things. The other part of it is that I did not feel as fulfilled as I mm. used to feel when I was running my business. And so, you know, I, I have two kids, I have a wife. I was an absentee dad, um, not by choice, but by circumstance. Yeah. And so that took me two and a half years of a very strong prayer with my wife about figuring out, do I sell the studio? And so... The reason I'm telling this is because that was very successful. It was doing well. It, it was, you know, it was doing stuff, but it wasn't bringing me fulfillment and it wasn't bringing me happiness. And so 
it, it does it mean that I don't want to have another business again? Does it? No, it doesn't mean any of that stuff. It means that at that stage of my life, I was self-aware of what was going on. I was missing out on things, what's going on with my kids, mm-hmm. with my wife. Like I would come home at nine o'clock at night. If I don't know if you're married and you have kids, but like, you know, I'm my married, wife, yeah. okay. My wife run down, taking care of two kids. You know, like I can't have like an intimate conversation or just any kind of conversation after, you know, her, you know, running with kids for, X amount of hours and I'm like pumped up, you know, at nine o'clock at night and I can't go to sleep because I just got done working, you know? And so it it was, it was those things. And so it wasn't bringing the right happiness um, for me and it wasn't bringing the right fulfillment. Now Mm -hmm. I feel as though I'm in a different uh, stage of my life where I get to balance like a lot of that entrepreneurship stuff. And, And so how I see success is that fulfillment and happiness is because I am able to, I, I can coach my son's sports teams. I can go yeah. to my daughter's recitals. I can go out on a date with my wife. I can have dinner with a family, you know, those sort of things. Um, and, and, and don't get me wrong, like the monetary things are all important. And I think that plays a big role in success. I don't think that plays the ultimate role. And so for me, I would say that is, is what it is, is like, I need to feel fulfilled. And so like my role right now as a CMO at AnchorWave, I feel fulfilled because I'm doing something that I truly enjoy. You know, 100%. like I get to, I get to podcast, you know, for, you know, our podcast is called the Trust Tipping Point Marketing Podcast. We go towards more like home services type kind of companies, right? Helping them how to market correctly. But can this be used everywhere else? Totally. I mean, anyone can use it. Um, you know, like I, I feel happiness because the culture there is great. I have balance with my family. Like there's all those little things. And so I think that is really important to, to understand is that, you know, like, and it's hard. I'll, I'll say this because I, I'm very competitive, extremely. Yeah, like, me too. <laughs> I, you, you know, like I need to be the best at everything. Like I don't like hearing negative feedback, you know, like it, it's, I just want to be the best and it's hard for me sometimes, but you know, the leadership role that I'm playing right now as a CMO, like it, it essentially means that it's, it's fulfilling those areas that I, that I'm missing from like competition. You know, if that, if that makes sense, um, does, because I have a different competitive landscape now. Okay. And I'm okay. That's, I'm glad you said that because I, I do, I do too think that success is about, um, fulfillment for sure and like you said i think mon- the monetary gain from it is definitely needed because especially if you want to live a certain type of lifestyle or you just have a, a, or even if it's not for you you want to make sure if you have children or whatever the case or a charity or whatever you want to maybe give that to something give them something to help them for their cause or start your kids off on a better lifestyle than how you started off so i think monetary is a huge part of it but it's not the ultimate thing um one Correct. of the things that 100 i think one of the things that what we're trying to do is we're just trying to help people define that for themselves, understand that these we're talking to people who have done it and has had a good track record, has a, has mm-hmm. proven success and can tell you what you need to do. You just need to define what that is for for yourself. And there's here's a couple of things that you may need to check, um, you know, before I, you go I, on this journey. I think a big part of it, though, is is that self awareness. I mean, I feel like Gary Vee talks about self awareness as probably the the ultimate EQ. You know, um, is being self aware about you, and not enough of not enough of people in the world have that because I, I feel bad saying this, but like because of social media, because 100%. they they see the they see the highlight reels. I mean, I was watching some, you know, I was watching football last night and baseball. And they're showing the highlight reels, but they didn't show the entire game, you know, and, exactly. and that's fine. But we see the highlight reels. And, and so we, we don't see we don't see all the all the crap that Russell Brunson ha- or, or Russell Wilson had to go through. You know, exactly. we don't see all the all the tough stuff that Matt Stafford had to go through it. And, and all these players or, or Deshaun Jackson, you know, the, you know, long time bet in the in the league where I'm coming from on all this is, is, is like we only see the, the clips. And I think we all need to be more self-aware. And that's a very hard trait because sometimes that puts you in a vulnerable spot. And oh, let's yeah. face it, as competitive athletes, as you and I, being vulnerable is not something that we want to be in, mm-hmm. you know, because what is that? What happens? You get taken advantage of. You you become 100%. someone else's lunch, you know, 100%. like you you are like the person like, no, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm, I'm the one that's going to make you vulnerable. That's how we're thinking. 
Yeah, exactly. But we need a sh- we as as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as as just business people, we need to shift our mindset to more of a EQ a balance in our, our mind and and just be self aware of ourselves and and actually admit that it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, did, you, did you ever hear the story with Damon John um, from Fubu? Where yeah, uh, you know, I was well, I don't know if you heard this one part where where he was like, you know, getting started. He was getting his t-shirts made. He didn't have a lot mm-hmm. of money. He'd find out whenever uh, like someone was going to go do a, um, a rap video in, in Queens or Brooklyn or whatever. He'd go down there and he'd be like, hey, can you guys wear my shirts for the video? So you can kind of like, you know, showcase my brand. And they're like, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Because they knew that he was they were from the same area. Well, exactly. then after the video, guess what? Guess what Damon did? He's like, hey, I need what? those shirts back. Exactly. Yeah, for, yeah. He asked for the shirt. Like, what person in their right mind? And, and who has the God? Like, I, I don't. If I was in this place, I'd probably do the same thing. But no one does that. That is vulnerability to a T. And now look at Damon. I mean, Ex- we look at a him. Shark. We're like exactly. Exactly. But you look at that, and you're like, man. Sometimes if we just put ourselves more vulnerable and we're more self-aware of where we are, I think we'll actually become more successful. And that's where it's very, it's a tough balance, man. Because business is literally, in my opinion, it's like the gridiron. uh, It's like the gridiron, but in the business aspect, because you are fighting for success. Yeah, you're 100% right. And no, you're 100% right. And I think that authenticity, vulnerability, all of that plays a role um, in in it. And And it's okay. It's okay to, yeah, like, I can only, and I, and he, at the time, he probably didn't think of it like this, but when you like, hey man, I thank you for doing that. But I mean, I need those shirts back. It's it's, it's all I got, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, from 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 a pride standpoint, that's that has to be tough coming from your mouth. This is all I got. Please, exactly. Hello, Cool J. I know that you just did this for me. I really do appreciate that. But if you don't mind giving me that back, I would really appreciate it. Like that's that's tough to even ask. Oh my god. Um, yeah, but I can only imagine. Um, but a, a, as we wrap up, Javier, I want to give I want to give a platform. I want to ask you two quick questions, and then I want to um, give you the floor to talk about your podcast, where people can find you. Talk about Anchor Wave, um, the number one yep. best selling book you had. Just you know, give you time. But before we do that, the two questions I have that Brian and I li- like to ask our guests is, and we leave them obscure on purpose, just so you can elaborate. What is your perception on money, and what is your perception on power? Money in, is okay in, in general in, in, in the in the yeah. realm of like success. I think money is important. Um, money is a blessing, and I think we need to be stewards of that money. We should all be striving to achieve as much money as we are capable of. Doesn't mean that we hold it. I'm just seeing saying strive to make as much of it. And the reason Absolutely. I say that 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 allows opportunities for taking care of your family, whatever those needs are, and then taking care of others. Okay, 100%. and so what I mean by taking taking care of others, it might be where you have a cause that you stand for. It mm-hmm. might be where you have a church that you want to give to. It might be where there's a movement that you believe in. But without money, it's hard to make those things happen. And so Bingo. I think money is is it's a it's it's a tool. It's a hammer. It's a it's a car. You know, it helps you achieve things at a bigger scale. Like I said earlier, that copywriting is sales at scale. I think mm-hmm. money is change at scale because you can make lots of great mm-hmm. changes for good if you're doing it in the right way. Um, what was your second question again? Sorry. What is your perception of? No, no, no. That, that's a great answer. And um, power. What is your perception of power? Oh, man. Um, I think power is something that you need, needs to be very well balanced. Um, in my opinion, if you are in a person, if you're in a position of power, you need to be leading more as a leader in the trenches with your team versus being at the front and saying, this is, this is what we need to do. Um, so you gain more power in my opinion, by leading a group of, or by leading a movement. And, mm-hmm. and, and so that is, that's something that's, I think is important. Not everyone is made to be in a powerful leadership type role. Um, so I think power is not bad. I think power is actually very, very good. We've seen this in every, every civilization that there is someone in power. And we've seen the history saying that the, some people in power 
literally destroyed an entire community while other people in power helped raise an entire community. Mm-hmm. And, and so we need to find those things and find the right balance. And sometimes that's where that self-awareness comes into play. So I don't see power as being a bad thing. It's just how you use it. It's just like, no, it's like money. Money's not a bad thing. It's how you use it. 100%. Well, Javier, I know that you're a busy man. Um, I want to thank you again for coming on our show. But before we leave, tell our success fundamentalists where they can find you. Um, where, where where's, where's your podcast located? Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Um, and I know yeah. that you're, you know, all of that. So tell us all about you and where people can find you. Yeah, I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn right now. Um, I just love that platform. So if you want to find me on LinkedIn, uh, just basically linkedin.com slash IN and then my full name, Javier Lozano Jr. Um, and so if you want to find me on other social platforms, you can find me on there as well, too. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm pretty active on Facebook, but LinkedIn is kind of where I put my attention on. And okay. then as, as far as um, our podcast, it's called the Trust Tipping Point Marketing Podcast. It's a marketing podcast. We gear it towards the home services. That's kind of a niche that we're kind of going after. Uh, we've got about nine or 10 episodes on there. Uh, great content. There's a lot more that's going to be coming. The whole premise of it is, is taking uh, teaching people or teaching business owners on what that trust tipping point is on why people buy. Uh, you kind of you know talked about that earlier, Chris, about you know how you know a buyer is different. It's not like what it used to be, and so we expand more on that, where people are jumping around doing research about someone, and then they finally kind of like find you know an element like I trust you, I want to buy something, mm-hmm. and so you know th- those are some things that uh, that we talk about in the marketing podcast. So it's a it's a, it's a great podcast. I mean, not just because I do it, but there's a lot of cool things that we talk about. Uh, and then, you know, I guess the last thing is, is that, you know, if, if you want any kind of, you know, questions or comments or, you know, you know, what we do, like just DM me on, 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 on uh, LinkedIn. All I ask is that you don't pitch me because I get pitched all the time. If you want me same to be a here. guest on your podcast, I am <laughs> thousand percent happy to be a guest on your podcast. Like Chris did the same thing to me. He's like, Hey, you know, I loved your stuff. Um, I got a podcast and then I'm like, what's it about? Cause I want to make sure I was delivering stuff that made, made sense to his community. And Absolutely. I was like, all right, cool. I can totally do that. So I'm 100% happy to be to do stuff on podcasts. Uh, and then, you know, other than that, I mean, I can talk about my book. I mean, it's a it's an Amazon books called uh, Influence and Income Online. Three millennial millionaires share their secrets. So you can find that info on my LinkedIn page as well, too. But that's the two things. Follow me on LinkedIn. Check out our podcast. And that's pretty much it, man. You already know, audience, that everything that Javier just said will be in the show notes, the links to his book, links to his uh, LinkedIn pages, all his all his social media platforms. So you, we're going to make it easy for you to follow this man. Um, he did. He did me a he did me a great favor coming on here and sharing his knowledge. So, Javier, I want to thank you so much for this. Um, and this was it. We will see you all next Thursday. This concludes another episode of Success Fundamentals. We hope you found today's discussion useful to your life in some way. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook.